Stay hungry, stay foolish. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other thing, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. I have a dream. We one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. Hey there, listener. Thanks for stopping by. Before we get the podcast started today, I just wanted to tell you about my Patreon. If you're interested in supporting the podcast and donating some money, all you got to do is go to patreon.com forward slash K-I-P-P-O-D. And there's three separate tiers there where you can get exclusive content, ad-free content, and you can even suggest questions for me to ask future guests on the podcast. So guys, make sure to check out my Patreon. Also, make sure to share this podcast on your social media accounts, link it to Spotify, review it on Apple. I would very much appreciate that. So thanks, guys, and enjoy the episode. Testing, testing. Did you want me to like keep talking? Like, do you want me to pause? Testing, testing. Testing, testing. All right. Yeah, there we go. All right. Take two. Hello and welcome to the Knowledge is Power podcast. I'm your host, Max Willett. And today, my guest is Amanda Zariello of Restore Physical Therapy. And Amanda, why don't you just introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your business? All right. Awesome. Well, thanks for having me. My name is Amanda Zariello, and I am from Cranston, Rhode Island. I went to Cranston High School West for high school, and from there I went on to the University of Rhode Island to study kinesiology and health exercise science. Um, I knew I always wanted to do physical therapy actually in high school, so I applied to colleges that had physical therapy programs, which led me to URI. Um, and I actually ran track and field at URI, and I played a little rugby, too. Oh. <laughs> um, and so I went to Sacred Heart Physical Therapy School for grad school, graduated in 2013 from PT school. And then from there, I went on to work for a, a small family business um, in Warwick, Rhode Island. And then two years ago, I opened up Restore Physical Therapy. That's very cool. So what sort of, um, so physical therapists, a lot of people know what that is, but do you specialize in anything? I mean, I hear you talk about different things all week, you know, especially through BNI. So, I mean, do you guys specialize in anything? Um, so restore physical therapy, we help active adults and athletes just continue to live a healthy, active lifestyle. Um, the, The biggest thing that makes us different from other people, other physical therapy clinics, is we spend a little bit more time with our patients compared to other traditional settings. Um, And we we don't specialize in one particular area. Like, we treat the whole body. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. we'll treat people with neck pain, back pain, ankle pain, hip pain, knee pain, you you name it, chronic pain. People suffered with pain for a long time. Um, we work with a lot of different athletes. Um, we're actually located in my husband's gym called Olympia Fitness and Performance. So they uh, work with a lot of high school and college athletes. So, um, you know, athletes that play sports all year round, you know, tend to run into some injuries, aches and pains along the way. So we help that population. 
we help middle-aged people who just want to, you know, stay fit and mobile and avoid surgery and avoid mm-hmm. medication and injection. So we really promote just overall health and wellness and at a conservative, in a conservative way. So. Cool. So <laughs> I guess, so you said you worked for uh, somebody else before you started your own business. What was the breaking point that said, all right, I don't want to work for somebody. I want to start my own business. It's a great question. It's a great story behind that. Okay. So, um, so I worked for a traditional clinic, which accepted insurance and I was promoted to open up a satellite office for this clinic, um, in North Kingstown. So I learned how to basically start a new clinic from the ground up, um, and I learned how to hire people. I learned how to manage people. I learned how to deal with kind of like the administrative stuff, which I didn't love. Um, but I also realized, and because, so I had profit sharing in this company. So that oh, gave wow. me some incentive to, you know, grow the business. Yeah. Um, but I realized because of that incentive, you know, the more people you see, the more m- money the clinic will make. But that wasn't really why I went to school. That's not why I became a physical therapist. I felt like I was getting burnt out. So I was treating maybe up to 15 to 20 patients a day, every half hour, one after the next, no break. And you just can't get people better that way, at at least as quickly as you could if you had a little bit more time with them. So one of the main reasons why I went on my own was number one, I wanted to do my job better and I wanted to, to make a better bigger impact on my patients. And so I did a lot of research on, um, cash physical therapy practices, which is actually very well known, like all around the country and even other parts of the the world. And because of the restrictions that insurance companies place on everything, it makes it so hard to treat the person the way they deserve to be treated. And so I decided to go out on my own and open up a cash PT practice, which basically allows me to spend more time with the patient and treat the whole person and not just what the insurance is allowing me to treat. And Mm -hmm. so it just becomes between me and the patient and there's no third party like the insurance companies. And so that's, that's one of the main reasons. (laughs) That's a, that's pretty interesting. So the insurance company would limit what you could do during the time you had with the patient. Yes. That's kind of sketchy. So for example, say you come to see me and you have an elbow ache going on on your right side and your left knee is hurting you too. Instead of allowing me to treat everything at once, like you come in for a session, we, we make a program for both of those body parts. They'll tell you, no, you have to go back to a doctor. You have to get another script for your left knee. You have to pay more money for another appointment where restore. We treat the whole person Like you come in with the whole picture and we work on all of it. Cool. So, and another great thing is that since your husband has his um, gym there, yep. mm-hmm. you can sort of work together in conjunction and it's sort of like a perfect world. It is. And I mean, honestly, I haven't, I guess there was this place in Wakefield called Olympia too as well, but I think they got bought out by somebody. Oh, interesting. Because I went there um, to play, when I played baseball, Okay. I went there and they did a, a 
you know, they did, they had a small sort of gym, mm-hmm. but it really wasn't a gym because it was only for like classes. Like they had, mm-hmm. like the South Kingstown baseball team would go there and practice. Okay. And I got invited by some friends who went there. I mm-hmm. didn't play for South Kingstown. I went to Cherho. Yeah. But um, that was the only, that's like the only thing I can think of that's closest to what you do. Yeah. I mean, that's sort of special that to yes. have that all in one, one spot. Yeah. Th- there's not many places that have what we have in Rhode Island because we have physical therapy and the sports performance training and they also have other programs we developed like post rehab so someone that's had physical therapy um just for an injury or even like a total hip or knee replacement but they need a little bit more structured um and help guidance with with exercise they can kind of transition into those programs and because really that's the other big thing about insurance they limit how many visits you have so they'll I've treated people with an ACL injury and they only allow like 12 visits, which oh, wow. you need like fifth to six months recovery. Yeah. So this allows us to be able to give them what they need and they can transition into the gym for further treatment basically. <laughs> yeah. So onto like, you know, the, your business again, mm-hmm. um, when you first started, what did you think was the biggest hardship to, to get over? I felt like I had a lot of ideas, (laughs) a lot of things I wanted to do. So it was kind of prioritizing like where to focus my energy and and what, you know, because it's just one of you when you first open a business. So I had trouble kind of figuring out where to put my energy at first. But um, and, you know, also financially, you know, I was taking a big risk. I I was going to lose an income. Um, that I was consistent and then um, so I you know I played all the cards in my head worst case scenario (laughs) what am I gonna do I kind of did a little bit of that before I went all in but luckily I had a lot of resources and and help with friends family who've had businesses luckily my husband owns a business and Mm -hmm. he's been in it for a little for a while now so that was helpful um, but I was able to, I always worked a per diem home care job on the side. So like someone has a total hip replacement, they can't go to outpatient. So I picked up hours there while I was building up restore. And then after a year of working, I was able to quit that extra job and just put all my energy into restore wow. physical therapy. Yeah, that'd be nice. Cause I'm still working as well. So, I mean, it'd be nice if I could do this full time. Yes. But, um, it's tough cause when you're working another job, you have to, you know, it's, that's the income coming mm-hmm. in and you want to do good at that job because yeah. you need that income, but mm-hmm. then you also want to build your business mm-hmm. and there's like a happy medium you have to find there. Yeah. Um, but luckily I, I work for a great person and he's understanding of mm-hmm. where I'm at in my life. That's and, awesome. uh, yeah, so it's awesome. Yeah. That's one of the biggest things I recommend is that you have to put all your energy into one thing when you think you're not ready, hmm. but then, cause then it does just, it comes back to you quicker than you think. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So uh, one thing we talked about in my first podcast, mm-hmm. uh, was, uh, when you hire people and this is for companies that are further down the road, mm-hmm. I'm not going to be hiring, hiring anybody, but, um, a lot, I'm seeing a lot of people, especially now, you know, just from, mm-hmm. I know Amanda through our BNI chapter, just mm-hmm. like a new Benjamin, uh, last week. Um, but when it comes to hiring people, what do you think is the most important thing to look into uh, an employee? 
Um, so I think even before you hire someone, you really need to write down like what your values are for your company. So you can figure out what's really important to you and then figure out and then find people that, you know, have those same values and respect those same values. Um, you know, I was lucky. I hired an employee in July, right before I went out on maternity leave (laughs) because, you know, he was going to pretty much be taking over the business for three months so I could stay home with the baby. So that was important for me to find someone that I could trust. Um, and I think just being transparent about what you're looking for, you know, this is stuff that's important to you. What's non-negotiable, what is, um, negotiable and just being open to that. And, you know, I think personality is everything, you know, especially what we do like we care for people we need to take care of them people trust us yeah and they're you know they might feel vulnerable talking to us about certain things so we need to just have um, a space for that like a safe place for them to talk to us and Mm -hmm. i and with our type of job you know being in the medical field it's important for someone that is has those same you know attributes caring Yeah. (laughs) yeah um so Another question I wanted to ask you, and as it comes back to me, I'm mm-hmm. going to keep talking because sure. I literally just forgot it right when I was going to ask you it. <laughs> um, so what do you think? Oh, marketing. Marketing. That's what I was talk All right. About. All right. <laughs> so what was the biggest thing that, you know, put you over that initial hump? Like I have a client base. This is, is mm-hmm. it, do you think maybe it was word of mouth or was it online marketing like Google ads? hundred percent word of mouth. That is how I grew my business. Um, you know, I had a following from where I used to work because I I had repeat customers that would come back to see me from when I first, um, when I worked for someone else and some of those people did follow me to restore. Um, and then all it takes is you do a good job with someone, they're going to tell someone else. So what I would do is I would take advantage of what I've, I looked at what's working, what's not working. Like what is bringing me more customers? Mm -hmm. Word of mouth. So how can I keep making that work so when someone is discharged they graduate from physical therapy email them thank you for their you know trusting us with their care would you do me a huge favor and write me a google review so i can continue to help other people start with that just you know ask giving them a referral card so they can Mm -hmm. give it to someone else so um that's and then who do i know like one of the ways we got new patients in is doing workshops so going out in the community and talking about how to prevent injuries in the soccer player, how to prevent injuries in the runner. And so if I treated a runner, I would ask them, um, you know, where, who do you run with? Like, what's your, do you, would you guys be interested in having a workshop? And so that's what I used (laughs) to continue to work with that. That's pretty, I mean, and, um, that's pretty cool because especially now, while social media is very prevalent in any company's marketing, I mean, Oreo has a Twitter account. Like <laughs> nobody, nobody goes and looks up reviews on Oreos. I know, you know, but they still have one, mm-hmm. and it's it's just interesting to see how different companies. And then it's like I was talking to somebody about Joblot. Mm-hmm. They're an eight hundred million dollar company, and they have a lot of real estate in Rhode Island. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Like this company has the worst website <laughs> of any retail right. store. Right. But somehow they're able to stay alive and I have no clue how they did it because it's retail. 
Mm-hmm. And you see retail stores closing down all over the place. Mm-hmm. I mean, Sears was a big one. I, they're just like Rhode Island, New England, mm-hmm. right? I mean, and they were massive totally. for, for a, like 100 years. Mm-hmm. And they're just gone now. Like there's a tiny one in North Kingstown, right? Over near Quonset. Yeah. And oh, no. it's it, just weird to see how a company like Joblot is still in business. I know. When Sears was just a better store period yeah. yeah that's super interesting I, and i don't remember sears so much i just i remember job lot and i just mm. know my parents love to get garden supplies there and you know what job lot does that it's all the only reason why i know this because my parents tell me all the time you spend fifty dollars and they give you fifty dollars to spend <laughs> so you get two for two for a hundred <laughs> whatever yeah. you know what i mean yeah. so that's i don't know that i think that if you take care of your customers and you give like givers gain, right? You give, yeah. they're going to come back to you. People will remember that. <laughs> yeah, that's just it's just super weird because word of mouth is so mm-hmm. powerful. And you see marketing companies, every marketing company mm-hmm. you see come on that visits our BNI group mm-hmm. or you see run Google ads. Mm-hmm. Um, they always say social media, social media, mm-hmm. Google ads, Google ads. And I run Google ads. Mm-hmm. I mean, my business is primarily online. Yeah. Uh, and in order for me to get word of mouth, eventually I'll have to build a customer base, which mm-hmm. is just like any other business. Mm-hmm. But in order to get that initial customer base, I need to run Google ads. Totally. I need to have, because I'm not, I'm not it's different in retail yeah. or in person. Yeah. In person. Service. So yep. those Google ads help me out even more. Mm-hmm. I mean, I have five stars right now, but I only have 12 reviews. Yeah. So I need, I would like to get more reviews. Um, so every time someone makes, you make something for someone, ask them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And that, and, and a lot of times, like if somebody bought something on my retail, on my website, mm-hmm. I'll just be like, Hey, I'll give you 10, you know, 10% off if mm-hmm. you leave me a Google review. Mm-hmm. And it's that, it's that important to me that I'm willing to give somebody a discount money for it. Yeah. yeah. And it's, and I mean, it's basically paying them to get, leave a review, which <laughs> is, which is great. I mean, and people, and a lot of times, even if the item you sell them is a little iffy and then you give them a discount on the next one. They're happy. Exactly. Yeah. They'll still give you five stars. Yeah. Um, I know. But, I mean, luckily I haven't, I make great products every time. Right. Not to toot my own horn. But <laughs> um, it's it's just interesting to see how that works. Um, yeah. I uh, I definitely made some mistakes when I first started and I I invested in Google ads and I had no money. So I I had no money to spend on Google ads and you have to spend a good amount. It's a car payment. Yeah. I mean, you, they tell you you have to spend at least $8 a day. Yeah. And then even like Facebook ads is like $15 a day. Yeah. Like that is a really nice car. Yeah. Like that is a 15, $20,000 car. It's hard to do when you're small business. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just like, Word of mouth is the best because not only does it work, it's free Mm -hmm. most of the time. And certain things on social media are free. So I would always, what is free that will make make it work? So like going on Facebook Live and just talking about what you do, like your YouTube channel is free, you know? Like what can you do that's free and that just... you record all this stuff and it, it's green content. It's, you know, you have it forever mm-hmm. so you can use it, repurpose it later. It's not wasted time. Yeah. And, um, and you know, every once in a while we'll get a new customer. Oh, we found you on Instagram. Cause you know, someone tagged someone and, yeah. and you know what, it's a small percentage, but then we'll take it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, sometimes people find me online and it's massive customers that I would never find because 3d printing is something that's 
nationwide Mm -hmm. and it's it's not like i'm focusing on this corner of rhode island like eventually i want everybody to know about me Mm -hmm. like there's this company called uh proto labs in minnesota and they do what i do just Mm -hmm. on a larger scale with industrial printers okay and and it's it's they're sort of like my dream company what Mm -hmm. i want to build this into but i still think that they don't do enough social media like mm-hmm. they do, they do social media, but it's, it's not personalized. Mm-hmm. People, uh, really like personalized social media content mm-hmm. that you can relate to and easy to talk to exactly. easy language. Yeah. Yep. It's, it's all like, look at our massive facility. I look know. at all, all of our machines. Yes. Look how great we are. It's not like, this is how we got started. Mm-hmm. This is what we're doing. This is what we're hoping to do. This is what we're passionate exactly. about. Exactly. Like there's no face to the company. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe I should do some more research. Maybe I'm wrong, but um, yeah, people people relate and they want to hear the stories. Like mm-hmm. that's one of the things that we try to do is tell stories of our success, our success stories of yeah. our patients. Like that's why I started this podcast. Yes, exactly. Like people people like hear something that they can resonate with and they're like oh maybe this person can help me too because people don't know what they don't know <laughs> yeah it's just like in a movie mm-hmm. people like the movies the best that, with characters that you can relate to 100 percent. yeah right it's just like i just watched this movie catch me if you can <laughs> right great movie like, like the kid is just another kid yeah parents are getting a divorce and then obviously his story after that is one in a million and it'll never happen again yeah most likely because it's almost impossible to do check yeah, frauds just, now yeah. because it's like first of all checks are going out yeah, it's, it's <laughs> electronic money yeah like checks like i only use check you know for small things mm-hmm. you know like rent and stuff right. like that but all my invoices are sent through paypal mm-hmm. and everything like that like i don't i haven't got paid cash for this business like maybe five times mm-hmm. um the only thing is is the percentages that they take is kind of annoying. i know but then you, you know what you do yeah increase your rate yeah <laughs> yeah but it's tough but i know it, I, I i switched over to quickbooks finally yes so, that's uh, a game changer yeah it's an investment but keeps you yeah i gotta i have a bookkeeper too and they're awesome okay good. so this is a free shout out to overview consulting ben hall i met him through nice. bni oh yeah so um actually the last time i met him was when i i met brenda curry mm-hmm. so she was awesome yes such so a shame I know. Uh, but anyways uh yeah so marketing is I guess the biggest takeaway is word of mouth Mm -hmm. and it's different for every company. Yeah, it works for what, like you have to just analyze what is working, what is already working and use that and go with it. And then you can slowly add the other stuff. Yeah. um, So another thing I'd like to talk about Mm -hmm. is, um, so obviously you started with your, you know, eventually got to a customer base. Yes. And then there's sort of that second hump that you have to get over to get, that customer base mm-hmm. to continue coming to you. Mm-hmm. Do you have, do you think there was a challenge within that of continuing on after you grew? So, um, I use a, have you heard of constant contact? Yes. So yes. that's basically, that's really big. Like you collect emails from people, right? Mm-hmm. Collect emails. You put them in your, your constant contact or whatever, um, system you're using. MailChimp is another one. There's plenty of them yeah. out there. Yeah. Um, and you send out maybe a newsletter or maybe every once in a while you send out a story of a success story mm-hmm. and, and something that resonates in that subject line, which I'm still learning how to, you know, pu- the problem with emails these days is that everything is uh, 
we're bombarded with emails. Yeah, you look at your inboxes, <laughs> thousands of stuff. But every once in a while, people do read them, mm-hmm. and so you're especially the people that remember who you are. You help them, you know, with one injury, and then they'll come back. So that helps. But the biggest program that we started this year is our Wellness Warrior program. So that is basically like a monthly membership for physical therapy. So this is usually for someone that's already finished like a bout of treatment. They're they're good, but they're active and they want to make sure they stay on top of their injuries. They want to be proactive with their health. They want, you know, they're more preventive. This is more of a prevention program. And so they come once a month for a full treatment and then they have access to us whenever they want. So you know, they'll call me up and like, I just did this to my ankle. Like, what should I do? We can talk them through it. And this type of program keeps them out of the doctor's office, keeps them out of, you know, surgery. And they, um, they keep coming back to us on a monthly basis or every other month, depending on what they need. Well, I was told by somebody that monthly subscriptions are the best yes because you know what you're going to make six months out usually yes and it's it's huge for a business to you know because it makes it easier to spend money mm-hmm. on, on certain things i mean i'm still learning all the proper verbiage for things like mm-hmm. that so i'm not like cash flow is that cash flow 100 yes. percent. Yeah. you have cash okay. flow the biggest the other thing that gives you cash flow is selling like a package or selling a bundle mm-hmm. yeah yeah because it, it it's perfect because you're not necessarily losing money. You're just, mm-hmm. I mean, it's just, I mean, it is cutting into your margins, but you're not necessarily losing money. Yeah. At all. You can guarantee you're going to get so much on one month. E- exactly. Um, and I'd love to do something like that. Like I thought of, uh, like a 3d printer supply, mm-hmm. like monthly payment, like right. you get like a different type of filament every month mm-hmm. or something like that. And maybe some new tools and a cool 3d printed item Yeah, or something like that. Yeah. Like maybe marketing materials yeah. for some company. That's yeah. a great idea. Yeah. But, uh, it's just tough because people have 3d printers just mm-hmm. buy that stuff anyways. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, it, it would be great for beginners and things mm-hmm. like that. So I don't know. That's you could sell think- like bundled, like if someone's buying some sort of product, you learn to like upsell them, I guess mm. on like, if you get this for a little bit more, yeah but you'd have to like figure out what that person may need yeah yeah definitely but yeah so when it comes to you know like i said marketing and Mm -hmm. things like that it's it's really interesting and really cool um and that initial hump of after you grow i feel like and i read this book called the Mm e-myth oh i listened to it on um on a drive yes (laughs) jeremy walsh recommended that, and he's gonna be on the podcast yep um he'll be in two weeks but i'm recording it cool uh, today yep uh actually but um yeah and it's it's a great book uh especially for people who have a business and have established it Mm -hmm. um he talks about uh you know starting a business but i feel like the biggest takeaway was uh knowing how to run a successful business and that Mm -hmm. and that's the biggest reason why a lot of small businesses go out of business Mm -hmm. is not necessarily because they have a lack of of clientele and mm-hmm. money coming in. It's just because a lot of times people don't know what to do with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can definitely speak to that because my goal to, as a business owner is to have a successful, efficient business that I am not working at yes. 40 to 60 hours a week. <laughs> You're enjoying it. Yes. You're right. Like, like, <laughs> like sometimes people say, Oh, are you at work? Yeah. And I'm here. I'm like, I'm like, I'm at my, my shop. Yeah. Like I like this. This is awesome. Yeah. And I mean, like, a year ago, if I had said that I had a, even this office, mm-hmm. it's small, but I love it mm-hmm. to have my own place to work on my 3D printers mm-hmm. and have, 
And to be able to do this, have mm-hmm. a conversation with people. Totally. And I would have been like, flexibility. Yeah. I would have been like, eh, I want that, but I don't think it's going to happen. <laughs> but here it's I am. Happening. And I'm, and I'm forever thankful to the people that helped me get here. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's awesome. Yeah. And, uh, I definitely feel like that book, what was it? It was the manager, the Clinton. Well, so I was saying the manager and like the technician basically. Technician. Yeah. Yes. So, cause I, in my, I say clinician, right? So yeah. I'm the physical therapist, the clinician, mm-hmm. the manager and the, the owner, right? Or, or entrepreneur, entrepreneur. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So you're three in one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Because it, it, well, yeah, exactly. When you start your own business, but they said a lot, he said a lot of times, uh, the technician starts a business mm-hmm. nine times out of 10, essentially, right. because you can't really get started if you don't know how to do it. <laughs> exactly. Right. And and that's the case. Um, I'm going to get into the yep. lore of 3D printing here. <laughs> but there in the early 2010s is this great documentary you should watch called Print the Legend or hmm. Print the Legend on, on Netflix. Okay. And it's about 3D printing. Mm-hmm. And it probably I probably enjoyed a lot because I'm in the industry. Mm-hmm. But I think it's just a great watch. Um, but there's this company called MakerBot okay. that first started in 2009, but they didn't really grow to prevalence until like 11 or 12. Mm-hmm. And basically before them, 3D printing was all industrial. Hmm. Like the cheapest 3D printer you could buy was like $10,000, $15,000 and nobody could afford them, only big companies. Um, and they sort of had a monopoly over added manufacturing. Mm-hmm. There's this company called Stratasys, which is FDM, which is all the printers I have. Okay. And then there's a company called 3D Systems. Okay. Uh, and they're both uh, public companies. Okay. Uh, that did SLA, which is that red printer. They invented that technology. Oh, right. And, uh, you know, it was crazy expensive. And then MakerBot comes along mm-hmm. and creates an FDM machine for $2,000. Mm-hmm. And then Formlabs comes along, hmm. which is based in Massachusetts and and has a SLA printer for like $4,000, okay. right? And just because they're cheap doesn't necessarily mean, or they're cheap, yeah. qu- uh, quote unquote, <laughs> right. but it doesn't necessarily mean they push out worse products than the industrial machines. Okay. Uh, the great thing about the industrial think, uh, machines and what they have going for them is their production ability. Like okay. they're able to go over and over and over gotcha. and over and over. Like these will be able to do that, but every, you know, 10 to 15 prints you'll probably have to fix up there yep. and sometimes if you're lucky you'll get on a longer run than that especially if you know what you're doing mm-hmm. but i like to think i'm a technician when it comes to these things but there's still a lot i can learn like mm-hmm. i i know i've been in 3d printing mm-hmm. since freshman year of high school mm-hmm. and i've worked with almost every brand of 3d printers mm-hmm. and uh including industrial because mm-hmm. i did an internship mm-hmm. and you're still learning things about the industry. But anyways, I'm going back to the technician thing. I yeah. got off track. <laughs> so MakerBot had three owners. Okay. Bree, Pettis, um, and then I can't remember the other two guys' <laughs> names. But he was the entrepreneur. Then there was a guy that did software and a guy that did the hardware. Okay. And guess who was left at the end of the company? Hey there. Sorry to interrupt the episode, but I just want to take this chance to tell you to share the podcast on your social media platforms link it on your instagram story follow knowledge is power underscore rhode island on instagram and leave a review on apple podcast if you're listening on that platform so thanks for listening guys and enjoy the rest of the episode the entrepreneur exactly (laughs) because he you know once he basically used his technicians Mm -hmm. who he called his friends Mm -hmm. 
uh, went completely against their their advice and did what he wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Now, I must say he's worth $50 million right now wow. because they sold to Stratasys, which is the industrial pr- mm-hmm. company. company that they sought out to destroy, but then they sold out. Hmm. So, um, you know, yep. not very good. But uh, basically the breaking point between them was going from open source to closed source. Basically, mm-hmm. anybody could, like all these machines I have, mm-hmm. I can replace them with different parts. It doesn't mm-hmm. have to be the Creality branded mm-hmm. things. It can be anything. Mm-hmm. They went from that to closed source just like Apple has okay. always been. Right. Other than the Apple II mm-hmm. in the 80s. Um, but like this MacBook, you can't put different you can't put a chip in it like right only apple can do that you Mm -hmm. have to bring it back to apple (laughs) exactly you know and and that works for apple because it's who they are right and steve jobs basically perfectly encapsulated that Mm, a long time ago yes (laughs) and uh makerbot was built upon open source and i guess apple was too Hmm. but uh when it comes to computers, it's different because everybody could use one. Mm-hmm. And uh, at that particular time, and it's so weird. As I'm mm-hmm. saying this, it, it it brings more to light between the two companies and how similar they are. Um, the Apple II built Apple. Open source built MakerBot, just like mm-hmm. how open source built each other. And then... Uh, they went. They both went to closed source. Mm-hmm. Now MakerBot has still grown, but they flatlined. Okay. And they they need they need to figure out what to do because mm-hmm. there's so much competition now. Mm-hmm. And same thing with Apple, but they're still a trillion dollar company. I mm-hmm. think they have two trillion dollar market cap now. Yeah. Absolutely insane. Crazy. So they captured something that MakerBot couldn't, mm-hmm. and MakerBot is probably fig- trying to figure that out because Brie Pettis, the guy, the entrepreneur, mm-hmm. loves Steve Jobs, <laughs> and I do too. Yeah. But I'm not going to sell out. Right. I won't do it. Nope. Even if they offer me $250 million, I'm not in it for the money. Good for you. Well, then that's... And that's easy to say as I don't have $250 yeah. million. <laughs> dollars, that's... But that's what I'd like to think. <laughs> um, but Formlabs, that company I talked about earlier, yep. that guy hasn't sold his company yet. They're a billion-dollar company now. Okay. And that guy is worth a lot more than $50 million. Mm-hmm. So who's laughing now? The guy who sold out or the yeah. guy who didn't sell right. out and Kept built his brand? True. Exactly. To what he was because yep. they set out to destroy 3D systems. Yep. And guess what? 3D systems is struggling. And I mean, yep. you'll see their stock price go up and down because yep. that's what 3D printing is. It's very trendy. They'll release mm-hmm. a new printer and you see the stock price raised by like $2. Yeah, yeah. And they'll be like, oh my God, they're coming <laughs> back. And then they'll just dip back down because... <laughs> They're like, it goes back to marketing. Right. They're very uh, traditional in the marketing. sense of marketing company. Mm-hmm. It's all, we're professional. We're mm-hmm. this. They're not. Relatable. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And that's why you see companies like MakerBot, when it first came out, was all over the news. You mm-hmm. probably watched it. And you don't mm-hmm. even realize it. But probably in the not. early 2000s, yep. early 2010s, it was all over the news. Okay. That guy, Brie Pettis, all over. He was on NBC, all yep. those big news channels. Mm-hmm. But. Uh, it's just funny to see, yeah, you know, that happen in real life, right? The entrepreneur and the technicians yeah. fall out, and I know that's sort of a long, convoluted story about <laughs> technicians what, and entrepreneurs, exactly. and uh, <laughs> but but that's what happens. That guy that founded Form Labs was a technician, mm-hmm. um, but 
he had a little bit of entrepreneur in him, mm-hmm. not in the sense that Brie Pettis was, he could get up on a stage and talk, mm-hmm. but he knew how to run a company. Yes. And uh, look where he is now. Yeah. I think, you know, it's interesting. I think it's a personality thing. Like, you know, you just, you made a good comment about like, there's always stuff to learn in your industry. And like, I think when people think they know it all and they don't want to continue to grow in their, in their skill, then, um, you know, you might lose, you might hit a standstill. So like you and I want to continue to learn the newest way to, you know, to, to print something or I want to learn the newest way to treat a specific diagnosis. And so that keeps your brain going, keeps you interested in your field. Mm -hmm. But that also like you also have that drive to learn how to grow and develop a successful, efficient business too. So like I enjoy learning this. It's a new thing to do on top. It keeps you from getting stale. You can get creative. You can use your creative side where if you're working for someone, you just kind of go through the same old thing every day. And sometimes people get bored of that and, and then they don't do a great job because they're not interested anymore. So I think that's one cool thing about being an entrepreneur. Yeah. Uh, and the best thing about being an entrepreneur is being your own boss. Yes. I think because in my experience, um, I felt like I could run certain things better than certain people are. I'm not going to say mm-hmm. those certain things or who those certain people are, <laughs> but I felt like I could give insight into things and they just weren't listening to me Yeah. because I'm a 19 year old kid <laughs> who wants to list, who wants to say, Oh, this 19 yeah. year old kid is right. And I know I sound like an egotistical douchebag right now but that's how i feel no i don't think so i think Um, it's the other way around (laughs) but i just feel like like when i watch things transpire that Mm -hmm. i'm like oh no like why yeah you have to learn to adapt Mm -hmm. you have to learn to change Change. and you can't be stuck in your ways Mm -hmm. uh because that's how you lose customers yes and yeah and one of the things i always if there's an issue especially as you grow a team of people that are working with you if there's an issue and you, I always reflect like maybe I didn't train that person correctly or maybe I wasn't transparent about a specific topic. Um, maybe I wasn't clear. Maybe my communication was poor. And I think that people need to have a little self-reflection before they start blaming, you know, ish, like things that happen that go wrong and in the day to day stuff. And uh, I saw where you, you know, I've seen that happen in other businesses where it's just like people get mad because there's mistakes being happened. Well, you know take a sip sip uh take a little break and like yeah. figure out what's happening you know yeah where, where are you missing <laughs> yeah exactly it yeah it's just i love running my own company like there's no way of getting i just love to do it mm-hmm. um and this is what i want to do for the rest of my life i and i i've been saying in my head i haven't really said this out loud but i said i'm gonna change the world mm-hmm. i don't know how i'm gonna do it i don't know what it's gonna be and i don't know you know what i what i need to do yeah but i want to do it i want to if it's in 3d printing that's what i want to do and uh i just i just want to learn more about it because it's such a cool technology and Mm -hmm. it's forever growing oh yeah i mean the stuff that you could probably build for i mean so i think medical right that's where my brain goes so like anything medical and you know the medical system is flawed and that's where i that's why i'm doing what i'm doing so we need more people like you to figure out well, <laughs> how we can help people when, and make when it a comes, change. When it comes to medical, I don't know the first thing about that yeah, stuff. But, but, I mean, there have been, I've seen medical models, like people have printed organs, not with my machines, yes. but with very specialized machines that cost hundreds of thousands, if mm-hmm. not millions of dollars. Mm-hmm. Um, but 
I've seen it happen. Mm -hmm. And where I used to work, we had medical models. Mm -hmm. They, they use this technology called polyjet Mm -hmm. and they could do high detailed models and, uh, they could do clear, they could do flexible. It's really cool stuff with that machine. Uh, the only drawback is the price is it's expensive, but you get what you pay for. Right. Um, but then again, I do have a printer that can print in five colors. Mm -hmm. That's less expensive. Yeah. But they could do higher detail and that machine is pretty cool to watch work. Like sometimes I'd find myself just standing there watching it, watching it. I'm like, this is what you're getting for your $15 an hour. (laughs) (laughs) Me just standing here watching Watching your printer. (laughs) I'm just like, oh, that's so cool. I mean, think about the Like you said, this industry will wait in 10 years. Like what's going to happen with the machines? I truly believe that. 3D printing will make injection molding and CNC manufacturing obsolete wow. within the next 20 years um, because there's something called SLS. You can print in metal. You can 3D print metal. Wow. Goodbye CNC. Like yep. when that technology advances and becomes really fast mm-hmm. and efficient, CNC will be gone mm-hmm. because that's that was that's the biggest thing it has is mm-hmm. its ability to do metal, but now can print in metal right it's just it's just a difficult process it's not as easy as cnc yeah um and injection molding mm-hmm. the only thing that has over 3d printing which is a big thing is is long run production okay uh right so if i wanted to produce this pond mm-hmm. right and 3d printing i could buy a 500 3d printer okay and then buy a uh, hundred bucks worth of filament mm-hmm. and be in for 600 bucks and create a couple thousand of these hmm but if I wanted to create a couple hundred thousand of these, that's where mm-hmm. injection molding comes out better because your price per is more expensive, right? right. Let's say the price per of this is five cents mm-hmm. to create this pawn. Uh, whereas, and, and your upfront price is $600. Okay. Injection molding, in order to create a mold for this, it's $20,000, oh, right? Yeah. But then your price per will be half a cent. Gotcha. So eventually, depending on how many models, I can't do that quick math in my head, <laughs> but eventually once you get to that point, uh, injection molding becomes less expensive. Mm-hmm. And basically the biggest thing is time, okay. right? It'll take an hour to print this, Wow. maybe a little bit less. And when, it, when injection molding, like it can push us out like tens of thousands yep. in, I don't know, a week, you know, mm-hmm. maybe I don't, I don't. I don't know a lot about injection molding. I just know the statistics on that part. I don't really know how the machine works, mm-hmm. but so I have a, can I ask you a question? Yeah. <laughs> um, could you like recycle certain products that like plastic to make stuff? Yes. So they, they actually make <laughs> uh, a machine, uh, a couple different ones that are yeah. on the market where you can basically, um, melt down the plastic. Okay. And it pushes it down into a tube and creates a filament. Okay. Uh, now, the thing about that is um, if you have different colors, right, it doesn't come out as good. So, you need to sort out the colors. Yeah. And the machines that they make that do that, it it's not really cost efficient. Gotcha. And a lot of companies don't do that that are big. Mm-hmm. Um, Maybe that's the thing, Max. Well, well, that's the thing is... is How can we... If, if, if they haven't done it, there's probably a reason because yeah, it's such an obvious right. thing because mm-hmm. uh, to do it on a large scale mm-hmm. to recycle, to use 3d printing plastic. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times there'll be, you know, chunks of things that you don't realize mm-hmm. that are in it. Like maybe your nozzle chipped 
mm-hmm. mean, that's rare, but there's a piece of metal that got in it. Mm-hmm. And then that tiny fragment of metal is just going right. to completely destroy your whole Printer. setup. Gotcha. And then um, it's just, there's probably something I'm not even thinking of. Yeah. But that's that's probably why they haven't done it. Because okay. there are manufacturers in China that create 3D printing filament like, like you wouldn't believe. Yeah. And if they don't do it. Yeah is definitely a reason behind yeah. it i mean i've looked into doing it yeah i mean you can buy a machine that does it for you probably be all in like 1500 bucks mm-hmm. which isn't crazy no but it's then then you have to buy then you have to buy a re-spooling machine to spool mm-hmm. it back onto the um spool it back onto gotcha. the you know spools yep. uh and that's a pain in the butt but i don't know it's just it just be a interesting thing yeah longer process yeah yeah it'd be cool if we could you know learn how to reuse plastic and <laughs> yeah well <laughs> print make i stuff can i can it. tell you <laughs> that the industrial machines waste a lot of plastic yeah because they're uh they have cartridges right so you look around here like these are just spools that right. you put in the printer and you can use as much of it as you want mm-hmm. uh, until it runs out but industrial machines have an nfc chip in it okay and it guesstimates what's left Mm -hmm. it doesn't have like a sensor in there Mm -hmm. watching it telling it when there's when it runs out of filament Mm -hmm. it says oh i'm out of filament and then you'll look and then there's still like a half a kilogram left like half of one of these spools left yeah and it's like that's a lot lot of plastic yeah and and especially like companies like proto labs that have thousands of printers right like that's a lot lot of plastic that they're left over yeah so I, I definitely think there's a way to get around that. Yep. Just have to think about it. But uh, that's definitely an interesting mm-hmm. business venture that maybe I'll look into. Yeah. But um, just a random thought. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but you'll see. I mean, the great thing about so this is printed in um, PLA. Okay. Polylytic acid. Gotcha. And it's cornstarch based. Oh. So it actually has a better half life than a lot of other plastics. Okay. It, it, it's it biodegrades a lot okay. faster. Okay. Uh, whereas ABS, uh, it's a stronger plastic. Yep. But it doesn't. It it it's worse for the environment. Gotcha. Um, but it it's six of one half a dozen. I mean, okay. it's not going to make a massive difference. Um, but I don't know. That's a really interesting point, though. Um, Change the world. So yeah, yeah, back exactly. To that comment. <laughs> well, well, it's funny you talk about recycling because in high school we did. Um, this incubator class okay and uh it's basically shark tank but okay. in a high school settings i talked a little bit about this in a couple podcasts ago yeah but there's a guy that won uh created uh this recycling bin mm-hmm. that you got paid to recycle okay right yes which already exists okay but he created it quote <laughs> unquote but the thing is the partner in his group created that idea and then he left because he went to ccri his last half of high school yeah and then this kid just ran with the idea and he won the contest i was pissed i was like that wasn't his idea and it's already been created just google it like it's there like (laughs) so he stole the yeah i don't think he stole it knowingly yeah he just thought thought of it and didn't look it up (laughs) exactly um which is weird they probably they probably realized it a long time down the way but Mm -hmm. uh our idea was so much better like mm-hmm. we had this idea, it was uh, a telescope mm-hmm. that basically uh, you c- hooked it up to your phone mm-hmm. and it could automatically uh, go to star correlations and oh, wow. planets. 
Yep. And we had uh, like a regular one for your house mm-hmm. and we had a small mobile one. Okay. And we had one that you could put on your roof oh. because, and then you could hook it up to your TV yep. and it's great for nursing homes because you could just stargaze yep. live mm-hmm. in the nursing homes cool. and it's really relaxing for patients. Right. Uh, because our mentor was a guy that owned a fish tank company. You've heard me talk about him before. Yes. Kurt yes. Harrington, a uh, great guy. Um, and he did fish tanks. And he's like, we do a lot of nursing homes because it's a relaxing thing. Right. And he had talked about that. And we said, that's a brilliant idea. That is a good idea. So I might, maybe I'm giving free ideas out here. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe you write these, patent them, then yeah. put them in an envelope, yeah, exactly. stamp on it. <laughs> yeah. So maybe I, I might, I might try to do that too. Like I got ideas, but I didn't think of that either. Um, but one of my friends in the group did and I helped streamline it and come up with different ideas, but mm-hmm. they, they thought of it. And <laughs> I actually have a 3d printed model that we did in high school. Cause one of the classes I had, we had a couple 3d printers mm-hmm. and I went into SolidWorks and I designed a telescope of what I thought it was going to look like. Oh, it was wow. pretty sweet. That's yeah. so cool. I was, it's, it's a very crude design, yeah. but I did it and I was like, this is awesome. That's right? awesome. <laughs> I mean, that's what is great about 3d printing Yeah, is that you could, help anybody out who has the next big business idea yeah. for cheap right right you know like traditional prototyping is is good for certain things but when you want to save a penny like yeah. 3D printing is the way to go, way to go. even totally. on the industrial side it's less expensive than yeah. traditional prototyping right. you know like carving a piece of wood oh yeah something like that or yes. cnc yeah but still you need to design something mm-hmm. uh but so i feel like i've been talking most of this time <laughs> i'm sorry totally fine yeah, but you're my i'm guest. learning a lot <laughs> yeah <laughs> um but the thing is, is some of my, you know, I've talked about this in past podcasts, so I don't really want to talk about things twice. But, <laughs> it's okay. Um, yeah. But uh, so I guess, yeah, so we're around 50 minutes. Um, so what do you think? Uh, you, so I sort of asked this question. Okay. Right. Uh, if you wanted to be remembered for one quote. Oh, boy. Yeah. <laughs> and I put it, I put it on I paper. Know, so to prepare me. Yes. Uh, what would that be? Ooh. So if you want me to talk while you think about it, <laughs> um, but it's okay. Yeah. So number six. Yes. Last day. All right. Yeah. I guess. Uh, so I'm a new mother, right? Yes. So I, I'm a new person these yeah. past seven months. Yes. Very <laughs> cute baby. Yes, yes, she is. Little Adeline. She, she's my pride and joy. Yeah. But. My child has taught me a lot in yeah. seven months. And I think as adults, we get really, um, you know, tied up with the day-to-day and, like, always thinking about what, what I'm going to do next and and how I'm going to make the next big thing and, yeah. you know, planning and organizing. And, and you know, I look at my daughter and she uh, – gets so impressed by the bird that just flew into the window (laughs) or like she gets so excited over like the littlest thing. And I think that as adults, we need to try to take that inner child in us sometimes and just enjoy the little things and just like see what's around you and just like take it all in and feel it and, and smell it and taste it, whatever, and just truly enjoy it and be present with it because, uh, life, goes by fast yeah that's great and <laughs> i had a i'm coaching a baseball team mm-hmm. and we got 
I don't know. It was just a stupid altercation about practice scheduling. Mm-hmm. And, like emails are flying back. Mm-hmm. I'm like, this is so stupid. It's a waste of time. Like, yeah. this is so stupid. And I said that in the email. I'm like, mm-hmm. like really? Mm-hmm. Like, we're here to coach baseball, have, have fun. fun. Yep. You know, kids have fun. Like, this is so stupid. I know. Like, like come on. I said, yeah. so this is, this is, life's too short to be fighting about this sort yes. of stuff. But, and I also want to get your thoughts on this quote. So I said this quote to Benjamin as well. Yep. And I sort of thought of this, but, uh, so patience is a virtue. Mm-hmm. That's how it starts off. My mm-hmm. dad always told me that mm-hmm. well, growing up. And, uh, but, but the ability to know when to be patient is even more important because life is too short to be patient all the time. <laughs> so what are your thoughts on that quote? Um, I feel like, oh gosh, that's a tough one. Yeah. If we're, uh, life is too short to be patient all the time. Yeah. Um, I think you have a balance, you know, this yeah. like this balance that of life that we're always trying to balance in reality. Like there is no such thing as balance, but, yeah. <laughs> yeah. um, I, I mean, if you want to go by that route is there's really no such thing as anything cause everything's made up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we could go down a yeah. deep hole here, yeah. but I think that, um, you know, just be you know, with business, be patient and just keep doing what's working mm-hmm. and look at what's not working. And, uh, if it's not working, make change, yeah. you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, definitely. But it, it's, oh crap. I forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> I think I need to get better at remembering what I'm going to say because I forget. It's hard. Um, but yeah, definitely. Uh, it's just, I, I really like that quote. Oh, because I've had, you know, life experiences mm-hmm. make made me realize that life could i mean i hate to get depressing here mm-hmm. could end mm-hmm. in an instant mm-hmm. like it just ends and there's mm-hmm. nothing you can do to control it mm-hmm. my my great aunt always says you know sometimes god just opens up his book and points at a name and that's who's going today mm-hmm. and there's nothing you can do about mm-hmm. it and uh that's why i thought of that mm-hmm. was i mean patience is a great thing to have and to be good at but you only live once mm-hmm. and you have to make you have to make light of everything that happens and you have to take advantage of every moment that happens. Mm-hmm. And that's why I want to do this. Mm-hmm. That's why I want to have my own company mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. If I had advice, my 19 year old self giving advice to people who listen, <laughs> uh, don't wait. Yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. Just do, that's like when I, when I yep. wanted to do this podcast, mm-hmm. I'm like, Oh, I'm thinking about it. And I looked at the price of the microphones and I'm like, Oh, this sort of, I said, mm-hmm. you know what? Stop. Yep. Buy the dang microphones. Yep do it yes because if it doesn't work you're only going to be out x amount of money yeah and the potential customer base mm-hmm. you can get from it is worth it yeah i mean and the things you could learn from guests mistake. yeah and the things that that you could help them out with because mm-hmm. this is it's a great marketing thing uh, hopefully eventually when this catches on a little bit more mm-hmm. it'll be great for people totally um but it's it's just uh yeah that's sort of my biggest takeaway is don't wait don't wait yeah and and um you know people make mistakes you know mm-hmm. you spend money that you shouldn't have spent money on and you learn from it but as long as you just keep going forward and it is what it is that's how life goes all right you learn from your mistakes but you gotta try it because yeah. better off learning from a mistake than not trying at all and not seeing what could have happened yeah i mean it's 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 just it's different for everybody. It is. I guess that's the thing. It and, is different uh, for everybody. If you 
don't want to do it, then I guess there's nothing I can do to stop you from not doing it. But that's just my advice, you know, from the limited experience of this thing we call life <laughs> that I have. Um, but yeah, so cool. awesome. So this has been a great yes. uh, talk, great conversation. And uh, make sure to check out Amanda at Restore Physical Therapy in Cranston, Rhode Island. Uh, now I would go up there, but it's, you know, like half the state. Yeah, I know. So, it's past the towers. Yeah, I know. It's a little it's, bit of a ride. It is. It's, it's <laughs> like a whole 30 minutes, you know, God forbid in Rhode Island, you have to drive 30 minutes. I know. That's like down the road for my grandparents in Northern Maine, 30 <laughs> minutes. It's like, oh yeah, it's down the road. I look 30 minutes. I'm like, we're not there yet. He goes, it's down the road. I know. <laughs> in Rhode Island, it's half the state. Yep. But anyways, yeah. So it's been a great conversation and I yes. appreciate you coming on. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. It's been great. <laughs> yeah. So if, if anybody listening wants to come on the podcast or has any questions or questions i should ask my guests <laughs> email me at knowledge is power ri at gmail.com and thanks for listening everybody make sure to share this follow me on spotify um i don't know if i'm on apple podcast yet but i'm gonna have to figure that out if i am leave me a review and thanks for listening and i'll catch you in the next one